Um, as is normal for the author of Hebrews, hopefully by now you've begun to recognize there's patterns in the book of Hebrews. And um, this morning it's, it's a, a, an exhortive word or a corrective passage. Um, it's, it's followed by next week it will be a warning passage. And then after that, encouragement and doctrinal teaching. If you notice there's these, these patterns, the, the author of Hebrews is trying to do something. He's trying to encourage, exhort, and spur on the people he's writing to. He's trying to encourage them not to lose faith, not to lose heart, to see who Jesus is and to be passionate about living for him. So please hear this word this morning. It's not a corrective to our church, but let it it inspire you. Let it inspire you to pursue God and his word and really let his word come alive to you in a whole new way. So this morning, let's turn and, and read in Hebrews five eleven through 14. This is God's word. About this we have much to say and it is hard to explain. Since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he's a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would would come and you would illumine our hearts and, and minds. You would help us not be dull of hearing. God, we don't want to be childish. We don't want to be children in the faith. Lord, we want to grow up and to be mature. We want to be strong in you, Lord. We want to be used by you for your purposes. Lord, we want to give all to your glorious purpose in this earth. Father, sometimes we are weak and weary, and Lord, we become dull of hearing. Father, I pray that you would use this passage and your speaking to us through this passage to to make us alive again that we would you would perk up our ears that we would that we would be encouraged and that we would hear from you father i pray these things in your name amen when i was young not about you but staying awake in my high school classes it was it was always a test of endurance Staying awake through lectures, especially like government or something that was a little more tedious where it was long and not necessarily exciting, but good stuff to know. It was hard to kind of stay awake and to pay attention. Thankfully, I went to military school, though, where they didn't let you fall asleep. Um, They would throw something at you. Actually, laziness, disrespect, that kind of negligence, it wasn't tolerated in class. And I, I remember that if you started to doze off or drowse off, and if you started to do the infamous head bob, you've never done that before, the head bob, you know, the, and you're trying, and like your eyelids feel like they're 25 pounds. Um, one of my teachers, he would just, he would clap his hands together in the middle of class, and he would kind of jolt you awake. And if that didn't work, and your head started to kind of go down, he would throw his chalkboard eraser at you. And it would hit, it would, typically he would try to hit the desk, but sometimes it would glance off and hit you. And this combination of the, the noise and the jolt and then the, this funky smell, you know, that chalk, chalk dust smell, it would, that would, it would just kind of it would get your attention and you would realize, whoa, I need to pay attention here. 
I'm going to wake up. And so if your heart hadn't exploded from a heart attack already, you were, you were good to go. Um, I remember in my senior year, though, I, I still had not learned. It had been three years. I still hadn't learned the lesson of, of planning. You know, because paying attention, it takes some planning. It takes some effort. And I hadn't learned the lesson of planning to actively pay attention. I hadn't, hadn't learned the lesson that I really need to, to try to love to hear. Try to love to learn enough to make it a priority. And I, I didn't set my alarm one morning, and um, I thought I'd wake up. And I didn't. I slept past Reveille. That's what they have in military school. In case you want to know what that is, I'll explain that later. It's where they blow a bugle and all that kind of stuff. So I slept past Reveille. I slept past formation in the morning. And, and I slept past the roll call of my first period. And so I woke to a phone call from Mr. Lamb, my government, government teacher. And talk about a shock. I pick up the phone and I hear my teacher's voice. I'm like, what in the world? And I, I ran I ran up the hill to class, and uh, I, I remember very vividly I was scared. I thought for sure I'd get in trouble. We have these things called tours in military school, which means a lot of marching, and I thought I was going to get a lot of those. And so I was, I was sure I was going to get in trouble too. I got into class. He made me stand there. He gave me a dressing down, and, um, and he, he gave me a sharp talking to in front of the whole class. And, and I seem to remember him still today telling me something to the fact that I needed to grow up. I needed to grow up. I needed to learn to take responsibility. I needed to, I needed to pay attention so that I could learn. If I didn't pay attention, didn't make efforts to actively prepare to learn, to hear, um, that it, it wouldn't serve me when I got older. I don't think he said serve me, but he said you, you, you're going to be stupid or something like that, I think. You know, <laughs> something to that effect. Real, real gracious words. But this is military school again. So, The crazy thing is I didn't get in trouble besides the dressing down. He showed me mercy, and it made me want to listen even more to what he said. And, and I still remember that lesson. It's been 22 years plus um, since, since that time. This, this passage and, and this sharp exhortation in Hebrews, it's meant to have a stirring, a, a, a waking up effect, like the teacher who claps his hands in the middle of class. It's, it's meant to stir us to hear, to pay attention, to listen, so that we won't be childish. You know, being childlike or having childlike faith is good, but being childish, still acting like a child in the negative sense, foolishly, is not good. And so the author of Hebrews has been telling us, he's been telling us about Melchizedek and, and how Jesus is a priest, a high priest in the order, or after the same way as, as the priest, the high priest Melchizedek. And he's trying to explain this to us. And he pauses, though. He takes some time out. And if you are a first century Christian and you're reading Hebrews, and maybe you have been reading Hebrews, and when you get to last week's passage about priests after the order of Melchizedek, maybe you're starting to get fuzzy, and maybe you start to lose a little interest, or I don't know what he's saying, and and this is hard, and it's hard to unpack and apply. How does the high priesthood of Christ relate to Melchizedek? And, and, And what he's doing is this temporary detour. It's meant to help you avoid further trouble understanding. You see, this letter, he wasn't just writing to this unknown group of people. He was, he was writing to the church that he knew, and he knew their temptations. He knew what they wrestled with. He knew what they needed to hear. So as he's writing, he knows, he anticipates, I just wrote about Melchizedek. Hang on. I know this is going to be very difficult for them to understand. It's going to be even more difficult to explain it. I need to keep on unpacking this, but I can't do that. So 
he, he kind of he claps his hands, if you will. He, he throws the eraser at them. It's a wake-up call to say, hang on, listen. You're having a hard time. I know you. You're being dull in your hearing. He says, you, know, you need to track with me. You, you potentially lost interest. You're not paying attention. And so he writes to them telling them that what he's just written about Melchizedek is, is hard to explain. In verse 11, look down. It says, about this we have much to say and it's hard to explain since you become dull of hearing. And then he says, the reason it's hard to explain it to them is because they become dull. Dull of hearing. That's not a phrase we use a lot, but it just means to become sluggish in our hearing. Like I was sluggish when I wasn't trying to pay attention. I wasn't paying attention to my life so I could be a hearer and a learner. We can become sluggish in our listening. We can become sluggish in our hearing. And he's saying, you've become slug-like, slow to respond. Lazy in hearing and applying. And that's what this passage is saying, is that becoming a sluggish hearer is dangerous. He's giving them an exhortation to warn them, in a sense, to, to call them, because he, he doesn't want them to go down a dangerous path of remaining like children. Remaining like a child, childish, is dangerous, and he wants to warn them about that so they'll listen. And he's confident, we'll see later in, in uh, verse 12 of chapter 6, he's confident that they will hear. But he's, he's aware they have a temptation, that they're... Be, they're They've become dull of hearing, and he wants to wake them up. There's a very real danger to the dullness of hearing. And it's a serious problem, isn't it? Because at the outset of the book of Hebrews, he begins by telling us about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Word of God, that that God's Word has been spoken to us in these last days through His Son. And so Hebrews is all about God speaking to us through His Son. And so it's dangerous if we become dull of hearing that we might miss what God's speaking to us through His Son. It's not hard to relate to. How, how many of us, and I'm not trying to make you feel, how many of us have fallen asleep in church? I know I have before. You know, how, many, how many fall asleep in a lecture when somebody's talking about something important, but it takes some effort to understand What's happening, it's, it's not just that we're tired, because sometimes we need to get more sleep, and that's true, and we need to prepare and make efforts to hear God's Word, but what's happening is that we don't make efforts to pay attention and to apply what we're hearing. And if it's a regular occurrence, it may be because we've developed habits of listening that are sluggish, and we don't make great efforts to pay attention so that we might learn and apply. It's not just a hearing to, to, okay, I heard those words, and you walk away unchanged. The whole Bible is not about that. God intends for His words to have an effect on us, on the way we think, the way we feel, the way we act. Because His words are life. Remember, we, we heard a few weeks back in Hebrews about His word is living, and it's active, and it's meant to have a living and active effect in our lives. We're meant to take in His word, to feed on it, to chew on it, and to respond to it and apply it. And he's saying, you're tending to be sluggish in the way you're hearing. And he knows there's significant risk that they might not fully get what he's saying to them. So he exhorts them not to be hard of hearing and to grow up. Start eating solid food. Apply themselves to learning. Why is hearing so important? Well, in Romans 10, Romans 10, 17, it says, so faith comes from hearing. So our very faith 
comes from hearing. And it says, and hearing through the word of Christ. And then putting that in the context of Hebrews, it says, now in these last days, God has spoken to us through His Son. He's spoken to us through Jesus Christ. And so as we fail to hear, that is a very dangerous thing. Why? Because through hearing is how we have faith. Hearing the Word of Christ is how we grow, how we're encouraged, how we have faith in Him, how we continue to have life in Him. In Matthew 13, the disciples were asking Jesus, Jesus, why are you speaking to the people in parables? Like, why are you telling me these stories that you have to figure out, you have to work at, you have to try to think about to figure out what do you mean? Jesus, why do you speak to the people in parables? So, in Matthew 13, 13, he says, Because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in verse 15, it says, For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. The reverse of that is, is a promise that Jesus has about turning, about opening up our eyes, about a kind of hearing, about a kind of hearing, a kind of understanding and turning to Him in our hearts where He responds and He heals us. Jesus explained they couldn't hear because their hearts had grown dull. They had, they had grown dull and it was dangerous because they were no longer able to hear and understand what Jesus was saying. And because of that, they didn't turn to Him. They didn't receive the healing they truly needed. Being dull of hearing, being sluggish. It's not okay. Because being a sluggish hearer makes you childish. And that's the second point we're going to see this morning is that being a sluggish hearer, it makes you childish. Not childlike, childlike faith that is totally dependent upon God, but a foolish childishness. So you look in verses 12 and 13, it says, For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he's a child. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles, the oracles of God. You need milk. Why? Because you're children. You need milk, not solid food. What he's saying is there's, there's been plenty of time for them to grow up in Christ. He's saying by this time they ought to be grown-ups in Christ. They, they ought to be mature. It would be reasonable to expect they'd be mature by now. And then as, as you're reading this passage, I was reading this passage, I was... I was personally convicted and thinking, how do I hear God's Word? When I, when I open up God's Word in the morning, when I have my devotions with Him, and, and I'm just thinking, okay, I've got it. do I take it like a pill, or do I, or do I actually think, God, I want you to speak to me. So, I, this is hard work. I need, I need to hear from you. And not only that, when I listen to messages too, I'm, I'm tempted in the same way as you are. You know, my mind starts thinking about lunch or other things, and I hope it just blow you out of the water by now you're thinking about the picnic today or something. But it, it, it's, it's a convicting passage. You know, many of us have grown up in Christian homes. I'd say probably half the church has grown up in a Christian environment. There's a lot of knowledge about the basic principles of the faith. But there's a danger. There's a danger when you have a lot of knowledge, but there's a danger that we might become dull of hearing. There's a danger that we not, might not really apply those basics that we know. You know, unfortunately, in, in the culture around us, many can say and do say that they, they know Jesus came to die for the sins. I know that, that God took His wrath on, 
I mean, Jesus took God's wrath on himself in our place, and, and that's good, and it's essential foundational knowledge. These are these basic principles. It's good foundational knowledge to have. It's, it's foundational to our faith that we must repent. We must turn from our sins, to turn to God in humility, confess our sins, and trust in Jesus. And what he's not, he's not saying we can leave that behind. But what he is saying is we, we, we need to work out the deeper implications of, of these gospel truths in our lives if we're going to remain strong in the faith. It takes some work. You have to deal with your heart. You have to deal with your own sluggishness, with your own dullness, with your, your emotions, your feelings. Sometimes your feelings aren't there. And you need to be actively listening to apply. If we don't go on to a deeper understanding of how to apply the doctrines of of justification and sanctification to our lives, to our thoughts, our feelings, our actions, then we're still drinking milk. Now, milk's good. I, I enjoy milk. It's, it's reasonable to have it as your diet if you're new to the faith or if you're new to the idea of reading the Bible for yourself or new to the idea that every Christian is called to grow in godliness. And if this is you, be, these words are not meant to condemn you. Don't feel any guilt or... Don't feel bad if you're learning things. Great. Drink deeply of the milk. We're all called to drink deeply of the milk. Apply it and start working out. To start taking steps to grow. You see, babies, they drink milk. If they don't walk, if they don't expend energy, if they don't build muscles, if they don't try to do things, they'll not grow. They won't need or require any more of the milk because they're not doing anything. They're not putting it into practice. They're not using the milk and feeding on it. I think this word is here for us to, to give us encouragement that we can grow and it's reasonable to think that God's word will have an effect in our lives. And if we apply it through constant use and constant practice, he's going he's gonna to make us grow up in Christ. It's this, it's this mix of our efforts relying completely on him and him growing us. Him feeding us and Him growing us. And we're meant to drink milk. We're not meant to only drink milk for the rest of our Christian walk. There's many Christians who, who do know that they need to grow. They, they know they need to get, read God's Word and yet they fail to dig down deeply into what they believe. And as a consequence, if, like a plant that fails to send out its roots deeply into the soil, its growth is stunted. And it won't be very strong, won't be very able to, to weather the storms of, of life and trials and suffering. This, this passage isn't meant to cause us to, to wallow in condemnation, but it is meant to get us to question our own pursuit of the things of God and for us to soberly evaluate our own maturity. Sober evaluation is good if it then turns us to dependent faith in Christ. And that's the effect this is meant to have on us. Infants, I, I have a toddler, I still think of him as an infant, but he's 15 months now. Infants, they don't know anything of the pleasure of putting countless hours into learning to read and then finding that you can read great books and not only enjoy the stories, but also learn and grow. My, my little Gideon, he doesn't know how to read. He doesn't even understand the concepts. He's drinking milk right now. One day... Hopefully, and he is growing more and more, he's eating solid foods, but not all solid foods yet. He's not fully weaned. But hopefully one day he'll know 
something of the rewards of putting in the effort and work of learning, learning about God, learning about Him through His Word and applying it to lives. And it's like chewing on solid food. It's, it has this, this reward. If I remove meat and other solid foods from my diet, and maybe you're a vegetarian, so maybe think of removing potatoes or beans or whatever you eat, and God bless you for that commitment. But um, it's, if, if I removed solid foods from my diet and I stopped eating anything except from elk even now as an adult, I would regress. My, my body would begin to adapt. My body would begin to change and so that as I got nutrients from milk as much as possible, that is, it would, it would become accustomed to not having solid food after a while. And after a prolonged period of time, maybe six months, a year, or a couple years, it would become increasingly hard for my body to digest the complex foods I once was able to digest. I'd regress. I'd not be able to digest things unless I introduced them back into my diet and my body learned to digest them again. It would take some effort again to get back onto solid foods. When I had, had operation earlier in the year, I, I stopped eating for a few weeks. When I started eating, it was my body kind of revolted for a little while and I had to learn, okay, how, how, do I, how can I eat solid foods again? But eventually and hopefully working back up to things, solid foods, Maybe a little loaded stromboli or supreme pizza Bertolo's and hopefully getting up to the filet mignon. You know, I, I mean, that's, that's the goal. It's, it's not to stay on milk. And boy, I tell you what, though, if you've been on a diet of only milk, when you, when you get to the place where you can finally have that, that steak, that tender bacon-wrapped steak, I know I'm not helping you right now, when you can get to that place, it's... It makes you really love it and appreciate it all the more and you can kind of sink your teeth into it. We're meant to sink our teeth into God's Word. We're, we're meant to feast on it, to treasure it, to value it, to, to let it fill us and, and feed us. And what he's saying is that you ought to be teachers, but this is not the kind of, of teachers that he, he means that the, you know, all of them, he expects all of them to stand up in front of a classroom and be that kind of teacher. They all stand up on front of Sunday morning or... But what he's saying is that you ought, you ought to be teachers. You ought to be able to teach, to communicate the principles, these basic principles of God's Word to other people. You ought to be able to do that. You ought to be able to help somebody else grow up into maturity. You've had plenty of time to learn, to know, to instruct others. And it was expected that every mature believer would be able to teach unbelievers or new believers about the good news of Jesus and why He came and and every believer was expected to be able to disciple others, to teach them, to instruct them. Remember Jesus, His command to His disciples, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. It's not the main point of the passage, but I was thinking about how does this relate to our mission together? You know, what, what is our mission? And I won't, make, I won't make you answer that this morning. You know, our, our mission, it's, it's to be disciples of Jesus. It's to be disciples of Jesus who are growing as disciples and making disciples of Jesus. There's no way you can grow. There's no way you can make disciples unless you're actively hearing. Hearing in such a way as to apply. Hearing, feasting, eating God's Word, applying yourselves regularly. 
The very word disciple means to be an active follower of Jesus and His teaching. It means we must be hearing His Word to learn, to apply. And this is what we want to be, isn't it? If you've been born again, God's given you a desire to follow Him with all that you are. If, if you've been made new and you've trusted and placed your faith in Jesus, God's given you a desire to share the good news. And maybe you don't feel equipped. Maybe you don't feel like you're able This word this morning is meant to encourage you. Feed on that milk that you've gotten and grow stronger and apply it. And through constant practice, you can grow up. You can become mature. We studied Genesis last year. Why do we do that? Well, we we need to learn about God's word. And some of those things in Genesis were hard to apply. He's talking about Melchizedek from, from a passage in Genesis we looked at last week. We need to see the beginnings of how God calls a people to Himself and how people were continually unfaithful and failed to keep the covenants of God initially with them as Christians. We need to see how God is overall as a faithful Redeemer. We need to understand the new covenant that He's made with His people. But the covenant began back with Adam that He made and then with Moses. We need to understand these things so we can better understand the covenant we have through Jesus Christ. That's what it means to to hear God's Word, to apply it, to to eat it, to chew on it. You know, solid food, it requires chewing. It's not always easy. You know, sometimes Gideon, he chokes on solid food. His his teeth aren't fully developed yet and he he bites off a lot, but he, he works at it and he's chewing and he's trying to grow. And the more we grow, the more normal it, it should be for us to teach others, to disciple others. And he's saying to them that instead of being able to teach others these basic principles, but they, they still need somebody to teach them. Again, the basic principles. And this isn't an uncommon way for the biblical writers to speak to us, is it? In, in 1 Corinthians 3, Paul says, I think we have it on overheads, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food. Why? For you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now, you were not yet able. Being a child, it's okay when you're young, but you shouldn't be a child forever. It would be absurd, wouldn't it? When my little toddler, he falls over, or when he mimics words and he cannot say them. He'll say a long sentence of 15, 20 words, but they are in a foreign language. This is He speaks with the tongue of not men. It's definitely a different tongue completely. And, 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 and when he claps his hands in glee and he, he kind of wiggles and he shakes and dances to music awkwardly, it's adorable. But it wouldn't be adorable if my 11-year-old still couldn't pronounce words well. If he said in, incomprehensible sentences you would think something's desperately wrong. You'd either feel sad for him or you'd be mad at, at me. <laughs> Especially if there was no learning disability or difficulty. He was just, he and we as parents were just lazy and, and, and he was being childish. Even at that age, though, it could still be corrected, even though it might take some work. It'd be even more absurd if I told you this morning that um, I have an owie on my head and I have a tummy ache and I need my mommy to kiss my owie. I mean, what, what kind of language is that? It's just absolutely ridiculous. You would either think I, there was something wrong with me or, or 
I just, I'd be a big goofball. I shouldn't use that kind of language. That's childish. The author of Hebrews doesn't want them to be childish. He wants them to grow up. It's not fitting. It's not fitting to still behave like that, to still not apply, to not hear in an active way. He wants them to hear and understand and apply the word they're receiving. He wants them to chew on it like a good meal. He says to have their powers of discernment trained. He doesn't want them to be children concerning the things of God. Look in verse 14. It says, But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment. So who are the mature? Those who have their powers of discernment trained. Well, mature have their powers of discernment trained. How does that happen? So mature, powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So constantly practicing, putting into practice what we've heard and trying to learn how to distinguish good from evil based on what we've heard. Constantly putting those things into practice. We can have the powers of our discernment trained so that we'll become mature. The point he's trying to get across to them is just really a third point this morning we're going to draw attention to is constant practice leads to maturity. Constant practice leads to maturity. Later in the letter, we're going to find that he actually expects them to respond by actively hearing and no longer being dull of hearing. And in verse 12 of chapter 6, he says, but I'm confident this is not, not true of you. I, I know you're going to hear. He, he expects them to respond to this, this word this morning that you're hearing. Nobody expects a child to be a skilled musician or a great artist. Nobody expects a child to speak eloquently, but it's reasonable to expect that an adult might develop some skill in an area. You probably have some skill as an adult, in some area at least. You wouldn't expect a new believer to understand the doctrine of righteousness of Christ and how does this apply and how do I live in light of the fact that we've been declared righteous in Christ, but it would be right to expect a mature Christian it would be right to expect a Christian who's been around for a while to understand how to apply the justification that we've received fully in Christ and how to live out this righteousness of Christ that we've been given. You'd expect somebody who's been a Christian for a while to know what justification and sanctification is and how to live in light of what He's done for us. If you've been a Christian for a while, we should be able to quickly discern what is good and have some ability to spiritually discern and morally discern matters. The author is saying that he wants to give them more solid food. That's why he's giving this to us. He's saying, time out. You become dull of hearing. So I want you to, I want you to wake up. He's giving them that wake-up call. That sh- Whoa, what's he doing? I was just kind of falling asleep on this Melchizedek thing. He wants to give them more solid food. And in fact, later on, he's going to go back to his argument about Melchizedek in chapter 7, but he takes this break for a whole chapter. And what he's saying is he wants recipients of this letter to be mature and be able to digest solid food. And in order to do that, we need constant practice so that we grow and we train our powers of discernment to distinguish good from evil. Like a skilled musician, if you continue to practice every day, you're going to understand more and more about music, and eventually you're going to develop this muscle memory. Well, I used to be a drummer. I'm not anymore. I've, I've regressed. 
But I used to be a drummer when I was younger. And I was in a band, and, and I would play a lot every day, every day, every day, and over and over. And so eventually, my, my arms developed the ability to play what I heard, and I just had this muscle memory. I could do it. Now it's in my head still, but I can't actually go and play the same way. It sounds good. I'm like, yeah, and it's, just, it's, it's an awful mess. But like a skilled musician as he practices, and I think I could develop that muscle memory again. Develop an ear maybe for music. And if you're a musician, you probably can hear notes that maybe the person singing beside you, you were thinking they couldn't hear notes at all. And so you you're, maybe you develop a, a trained ear for music and when you hear that wrong note, you know not only what is, what is wrong, but you can tell the note that needs to be sang or played. No one would pay to see a mediocre six-year-old try to practice playing Mozart. I wouldn't want a surgeon who had learned surgery 20 years ago but stopped learning and no longer delved deep into new discoveries. He didn't try to understand things that were coming out. I, I would want somebody who was skilled and quickly recognizing what's going wrong. I'm probably going to need shoulder surgery. I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out, okay, who is a really good surgeon so that they get in there and they see something they're not familiar with. I want them to immediately know what to do. I want them to have their, their ability trained by constant practice. And that's what he's talking about here is this, this constant practice training our powers of discernment. For the people whom this letter was written to, maybe the reason why they become a settled down is because they were unwilling to completely sever their old ties with Judaism and the way of life that seemed more comfortable and safe to them. At times, as Christians, we have this tendency to settle down, don't we? We have this tendency to just, just take it easy, to just drift. To just live safe and comfortable lives. But as a disciple of Jesus, you're not called to a safe and comfortable life. It's actually far more dangerous to live what you think is this safe and comfortable life. There's far more dangers there. But you can get lulled into feeling that way. You can become dull of hearing. You become comfortable with knowing enough. We can, we can know enough to be saved, but not much more. And we can remain caught in bad habits and in wrong ways of thinking, getting trapped in sin more easily. But... Here's the good news. If you're continually practicing, working at discerning and understanding God's revealed Word, ourselves, our actions, our thoughts, our motives in light of His Word, we can become better at, at, at discerning and we're going to grow and become mature. And we're going to understand what it means to live lives that are pleasing to God. If you ever have gotten any military training or training with weapons or maybe police officers, a good police officer who's very skilled with his weapon. He has, he has a lot of experience with his weapon. And he's hopefully a good police officer has a lot of experience, not just with his weapon, but with his people too. And he's learned and spent time learning about the people he's supposed to protect and to serve. And, and hopefully a good police officer becomes adept at distinguishing between good guys and bad guys. He knows what to listen for, what to, what to look for. He knows what behaviors to watch. And then because of that, he knows what to believe when somebody's telling him something. Eventually, he'll get to the place where he can distinguish between good behavior and evil behavior. And he can spot the signs of a telltale drug deal that's going down. 
or someone is being forced against their will or spot a shoplifter by the behavior and so that this will help him be more effective in his role and in carrying out his role. If he's, he's growing, he has powers of discernment trained. In, the same, in a similar way, we're, we're to train ourselves through constant practice to be looking all throughout our lives, every day, daily. What the author of Hebrews is saying is that those that have their powers of discernment trained have constantly practiced and put to use what they've learned. So it's like they have that muscle memory when it comes to making decisions and evaluating what they should do, what they shouldn't do, what they should listen to, what they should not listen to, what they should read and not read, what they should watch and not watch, what they should click on on the Internet or not click on. They didn't have the Internet back then. Um, the path to maturity that, that we're being called to, the key to maturity has everything to do with, with what you do with what you hear and with what you're hearing as well. And he's saying, don't be the kind of dull hearers that become childlike. Start listening to the Word of God, the Word of righteousness that's come to us in Jesus Christ. Read your Bible on your own. Try to think about one thing that you read that day and try to meditate on it. What does meditation mean? Just thinking deeply about that thing you're reading, about what you're reading and that truth in God's Word and how can I apply this in, in the way I think or the way I feel or the way I act. And how does this, how does this relate to me? What, what in the world is the Scripture saying, first off? Do I understand what it's saying? And then how do I apply it? We need to listen to teaching and preaching. And one of the ways that we practically do that in our church is on Sunday mornings. And encourage us. I mean, we need to hear God's Word every week and then we need to chew on it throughout the week. How do you chew on it? Well, some ways to chew on God's Word, to, to eat the solid, solid food, is, is to, go to go to a small group and, and to seek to apply it in your life each week. Talk to somebody else. Talk to another mature believer about something you don't understand perhaps and if you do understand it try to help somebody else grow and disciple them and teach them sometimes God's word is not easy to apply you know it says in the last days that we'll seek out those, those words that just they sound good to us that can tickle our ears we're not called to, to listen like that we're, we're called to say I want to hear God's Word. And sometimes it may not be easy to apply, but I want to commit to plan for that, to prepare for that, to, to school myself in hearing and applying God's Word. And then don't just chew on God's Word. Swallow it. If you just chewed on food, solid food, if you just chewed on it, but you didn't swallow it, if you, if you didn't take it into yourself and let it benefit you, it would be useless. Digest it and savor it. Let the promises of God alone satisfy you. What he's saying is treasure God's Word. Be satisfied with it, but don't stop there. Practically put to use what we learn and be constantly looking to discern good from evil each day. You know, most of what we have to decide on and in our daily interactions, it's not written out in the Bible clearly for us. Did you notice that? It doesn't tell you what time to wake up, what time to go to bed. It doesn't tell you how to drive. 
but it does inform every area and aspect of our lives. We need to apply God's Word to hundreds and hundreds of decisions that we make. Actions and interactions that you have with people, they all require discernment. They all require us constantly practicing. How does God's Word apply to what I'm thinking or feeling or doing right now? Now, now hopefully, you're not having to go and flip open the Bible every time. Eventually, you're going to get to the place where it becomes natural, where it becomes like muscle memory for you and you've become mature. You have to work up to that, but that's the goal so you can be at the place where you're not having to think about how should I drive? Should I swear at this driver or not? Hopefully, your powers of discernment get trained so that you know it's, it's not a good idea to be angry. Because the Bible says that we need to love our neighbors and it's not very loving when I cut the guy off in traffic or whatever it might be. It's, this, this is not calling us to legalism. You see, legalism, having a list of rules of how we're supposed to behave and not behave, it's deceitfully simple. It's the sluggard's way out. It's just taking this list of do's and don'ts and following it. And legalism, it, it actually makes you childish. It keeps you from practicing discernment and it masks immaturity. We don't want to be that kind of people. We can constantly practice God's Word. We can work at how do we spend our money. What do we do at work? Are we diligent? Are we faithful? What subjects do we take at school? How do we study? What do we watch on TV? What do we look at on the Internet? What do we read? What political decisions do we make? How do we treat our spouses and our children? How do we interact with our friends? What do we say yes to? What should we say no to? How much do we give in the offering at church? We have so many opportunities all the time to be the kind of hearers that constantly hear to actively apply. And we're being called to do that. He's saying, don't be dull of hearing. I, I, we'll find out later. I, I know you won't be. I've, I'm confident you're going to respond to this word in church this morning. I'm, I'm confident in God's word because His word is alive and it's active. His Word brings healing to us. If we turn to God, maybe you find that you've been in a place where you've been dull, you've been dry. You've, 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 maybe the Lord's convicting you this morning and you realize that I've not been actively seeking to apply. I've not been actively feeding on God's Word. I've not been looking to Him as my all. I've not been living as if He is my all. Here's the wonderful thing. If we turn to Him, and we hear His voice, He will heal us. He gives us His words of life. If we develop this kind of spiritual discernment, it's going to lead us to becoming wise, godly and mature Christians who are eagerly growing as disciples of Jesus and making disciples. As Hebrews 12, 11 is going to tell us later, it's this kind of mature living, it, it's, it's going to help us yield the, the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who've been trained by it. I, I, want to, I want to be trained by God's Word, don't you? I don't want to be childish anymore. I, there's so many areas in my life I realized that I was convicted as I was preparing. I, you know, okay, I, I, I do every week. I'm studying God's Word and I'm reading the Bible, but in so many ways I still remain areas where... I need to grow. I need to grow up into Him. 
And it's not meant to condemn. This is actually saying, you know what? You, you can be mature. It takes constant practice, but by God's grace, He will enable and empower you. And if we remember His Word is living, Jesus, the, the Word of God, has spoken to us in these last days, we can receive life from Him. Go ahead and ask the, ask the band to go ahead and come up this morning. Go ahead and ask you to stand too, if you will, please. And stand up. Um, really, the main idea that the main idea that he's been driving at the whole time is don't be childish. Grow up to maturity by constantly practicing what you hear. This morning in worship, I was just struck with um, just struck with a word that I feel like was for us from God. That God, God wants to revive us. And it was interesting, I was telling Aaron beforehand, and then I didn't realize that you know, God, God was speaking to other people and, and sharing with us that He wants to revive us. How does that happen? It says we turn to Him. As we look expectantly to Him to receive. And so as we, as we close, and I want to close in a song, but I want, to, I want to encourage you to turn to Jesus, to turn to the great high priest that we have, to look to Him, the living Word of God, to look to Jesus. And to say, Jesus, I, I, I can't make myself alive, but make me alive. Breathe Your fresh life into me. There's a passage in Ezekiel that he gives the prophet Ezekiel a, a prophetic picture, really. And he tells Ezekiel what to speak. And he says, Then he, the Lord, said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you. And you shall, know, you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. That's his desire for us this morning is that for us to experience His life and to know that He is the Lord from His Word. Ezekiel, he goes on in verse 7 of Ezekiel 37. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound, behold, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them. And they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. And that's really a picture of the new birth. They've become dull and forgotten the, the miracle of the new birth. That he's the one who breathes life into us. He continues on in Ezekiel 37, chapter 11. I mean, verse 11 says, Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, Our bones are dried up. Our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. And you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken it, and I will do it, declares the Lord. 
if you become a follower of Jesus Christ, if you placed your faith in Jesus and you've been born again by the Spirit, it's this picture that we have. You have the life of God in you. Now, if, if you're not sure, I would encourage you to turn to Jesus and to be healed from your sins and the, the wrath that, that you deserve from God. And for all of us, may we hear His words of life and be revived.